who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll see what they show up for and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And it's another news episode. It's another news episode. I have something really upsetting. So do I. Okay. Might be the same thing. I like that we always were just like like, staring at each Is it not? Well, um, I can go first if you You want. You go first. So... We got a message from a listener, actually, and I just, so I don't know if this is the same thing that you're. you're I don't think doing. I saw it, so I don't know. Okay, so this was from an email. Um, I'm not going to give this person's name because I don't know if they want yeah a shout out on the podcast or not. Uh, but they asked us to look into a story that I'd only seen like maybe one or two times scrolling through Instagram. Okay, um, because they feel like it is not being represented enough in mainstream media. And the fact that I've only seen it scrolling through Instagram a couple times would mean that it probably hasn't been talked right. about enough. And that is that there was a woman on a train in Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, still in the same state. <laughs> yes. Um, who was trigger warning yeah. for rape and sexual assault she was raped on this train mm. and there were a bunch of people coming on and off of the train, um, rode on the train for several stops while this was happening. And like knew it was happening. This wasn't like tucked away quietly. Right. Was this filming. Was like they were filming and stuff. So there's like, on the one hand, it's like there's a ton of Wait, evidence. Yes, like oh, with their like a security. Oh no, people on their phones. Were, yes. Why was no one stopping it? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? So, a Philadelphia man was charged with raping a woman on a commuter train after harassing her and groping her for forty minutes, and multiple people held their phones and recorded the assaults without intervening. Oh my gosh, this reminds me of 
this case and I'm going to have to look it up because I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it was like there was this gang rape case in, I want to say Boston. It was definitely in Massachusetts. And there was this young woman in a bar who was raped for two hours with a full bar and people are like passing her around and like a ton of guys ended up being convicted for it because they were like, all of you are complicit because none of you stood forward and did anything about it, even if you weren't actually part of the behavior. You know two hours in of that people just letting it happen. In that situation, I almost am more inclined to believe that that would happen because when something like that's going on, there's such like a herd mentality around like what's happening yeah. that you probably feel like you like you can't intervene or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's right. Like, totally. no, totally not. But in this situation, I'm like, there's one perpetrator and a whole, and a whole train, train of full people. of people. Right. One perpetrator, one victim. And there's a train full of people. I don't understand this at all. You know, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. To me. I mean, I get like there's that bystander effect like that does happen. Right. But and it can be scary to intervene in something because you don't want to get hurt yourself. I understand that. But also it's upsetting that then there wouldn't be a group of people to go up against him or anything like that. I just I, I can't even imagine that going on for so long without anybody well, having I, the nerve to do anything. Right. About and it. even if for whatever reason, you know, like this is a person who maybe you're like, this is a person who's unhinged, like they are attacking a woman in public in front of all of us. Like, what are they capable of? Call the of? cops. You have your phone. Call anybody. Anybody. Right. Like, why and that are was you the recording? Thing. Nobody, not a single witness on that train called 911. Police ended up pulling the man off the woman after a transportation (gasps) authority called 911. A transportation authority, like, found out that something was happening. Pull her off the woman? Yeah, the police did. Why was this transportation authority person not trying to get him off of her? Like, I, I maybe I needed to be there to understand, but all none of this makes sense to me. How this has even gotten that far? Well, I don't know either. I don't know what the situation with the transportation authority was. Like, I don't know if they were in the train car with them or if it was something where like maybe someone got off the train and informed them and then they called the police. I just like to me, if I would hear that, like I would want to jump into like real action immediately, which, you know, calling 911 is an action. But I don't know. It's just it's very bizarre to me. And I can't imagine nobody making any sort of actions to try to pry him off of her. Right. Or again, at bare minimum, because I understand these situations are scary and I'm not, you know, you never know what you're going to do in any given situation until you're in that situation. Right. But for no one to even call 911, because when the transportation authority did call 911, they arrived in three minutes. (gasps) So this whole thing could have been done in three minutes. Right. So in some of the footage obtained by authorities, the woman can be seen pushing the man away multiple times and objecting to his advances until ultimately, and again, trigger warning, he rips her pants off. Oh my God. And that again, it was a 40 minute span of her constantly, you know, trying Mm. to get away from him, moving about the car, pushing him away. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. So the New York times reported that people who recorded the attack and failed to intervene could possibly be charged but that would be up to the Delaware County District Attorney whether right. or not to charge these people because there was a crime being committed and they were complicit, essentially. Yeah. Um, the man, whose name is Fiston Nigoy, claimed that he knew the woman, though he could not remember her name, yeah. and that the encounter was consensual. Oh, yeah. The fucking gall. 
There's 40 minutes of her pushing him away. And there's recordings on people's phones and things like that. It's That's entitlement. That's being like, if I don't say I did it, you know, what right. are you going to do? Right. So the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority issued a public statement urging anyone who witnesses such a thing to report it to the authorities by calling 911, pressing an emergency button on every train car, or using the authorities' emergency safety app. Like, there's a bunch of ways yeah. to report it. Yeah, is it. I mean, I haven't been on a lot of trains in my life, but I would assume there'd be a similar system as like a pulley on a bus to there's a button. stop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Each train car has an emergency button. So again, if you didn't, if you don't feel physically safe intervening, you know what I mean? There's other things you can do. Now, as we just said, the bystander effect is not a new phenomenon. In 2012, a young woman was sexually assaulted on the New York City subway and no one intervened. And one bystander even took cell phone footage that was later uploaded to porn and gossip sites. (gasps) Yeah. He claims he didn't upload it himself that somebody... Upload, got the footage oh. from his phone and did that but that is disgusting heinous. that heinous. is disgusting i found this interesting um researchers have found that women who are harassed on the street rarely receive assistance or intervention from witnesses but it's actually women who are more likely to intervene than men like men that women was exactly will step forward. that was exactly my thinking is that i think because like we growing up with that fear have an idea we ha- we can feel that fear inside of us when we see another woman that is in trouble and so i can understand why it would be more likely for a woman to come forward than a man right it's interesting just- though because like societally it's always said that like women are you know weak and yeah. that men are supposed to be chivalrous like we're supposed to but then if this you damsel in the str- distress mentality that you're waiting for this white knight to come in and save you but, but then when there's you need also them, that like mom that can lift a car to right. save her baby you know Sister what i mean solidarity like these, it's like yeah. women are more likely to intervene they're more yeah. likely to step in um because we would want someone to step in for us exactly you know? well and then also you bring up a good point because they would always say to yell fire instead of like rape mm-hmm. or something like that because that people would want to come and help you if there's right. something like that going on whether or if there's a, you know an attack going on they don't want to get involved yeah yeah and i understand like that apathy that happens when you ride public transit right like I rode the public bus for years when I first moved to Los Angeles and there's crazy shit that happens on public transportation all the time time, but this is another level exactly exactly like that's what I was thinking you know I I rode public transit for a very long time you see some wild shit you do get into this routine of just like mind my business put in my headphones wear my sunglasses keep my head down like block this out because you know you're just, you're just trying to get somewhere. Well, because you need to live your life. You can't be so invested in all the drama that's going on on the bus on your way to work or else it'd be exhausting. Right. You but, have to just but keep But something to like this, yeah. like something like this to not even like alert someone immediately, call somebody. Like, yeah. it's just terrifying. And I feel so horrible for that woman. She was taken to the hospital. I don't know what happened uh, after that. The man is still in prison or in jail. He was not able to make bail. I think his first court appearance is next week. But uh, wow. But thank you uh, to the listener who brought that to our attention. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen a lot about that. I think that it is an important conversation to be having because this is something that happens and happens more often than we'd like to admit. Right. 
You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy. But how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were. And it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com. Well, I also have a story that I feel isn't getting enough attention in the news, and it's also devastating. In January of 2020, a parent contacted the Hanawai Elementary School in Honolulu to complain about a drawing made by a girl and demanded the staff to call the police. When the police arrived, uh, the girl, who was identified as NB, was handcuffed with excessive force and taken to the police station. She was 10 years old. The mother For a was, drawing. For a drawing. All of this is very intense. Um, the mother was called by the school, but was not allowed to see her daughter, nor was she informed that her daughter was, quote, handcuffed in front of staff and her peers, placed into a squad car and taken away. Her mother says, I was stripped of my rights as a parent and my daughter was stripped of her right to protection and representation as a minor. My daughter and I are traumatized from these events and I'm disheartened to know that this day will live with my daughter forever. This incident actually made them move out of the state. So, yeah, it's bad. So allegedly the drawing was of a girl who had been bullying this girl that made the drawing. And so it's kind of like, I guess, some offensive drawing she made of another classmate. And the little girl admitted that, yes, like I drew this picture, but there were other people that were like writing on it and drawing on it and coloring on it like it wasn't just me. And then so what happened was the little girl and like the friends like made this drawing, but she obviously didn't want the subject of the drawing to see it. But somebody else like took it away from her and gave it to the girl. And so I'm assuming that it was probably this other girl's mom or other students mom that was the one that was so upset and for some reason convinced the school to call the police. I obviously don't know what was on this drawing. Like, I don't know. Um, it must have been pretty bad or pretty graphic in order for them to feel like they needed to call the authorities. Like, yeah. that's wild. But but I can't regardless. even picture what drawing would be bad enough that you would have to call the police. Agreed. Agreed. Like, and it's not take the them to the principal. It's not the police's job regardless. Like no. if you feel like this is something that ne you need to look further, this is a child who's 10 years old. Yeah. So what you can do is you can call in the parents. You can sit down with some counselors. Exactly. You can talk through like, like what alert is this? the principal and other administrators and mm -hmm. things like that. But calling the authorities doesn't make any sense. And it was in front of her teachers, students, peers. Because it's that a child. She was, like clearly something is going on. If yeah. It's a vi if it's violent imagery, you need to talk about that. Right. Work, it, work through it with the kid and the parents. Uh -huh. Like That's to me, that's just. Yeah. And the way that I read it was that like she, this girl that drew the picture was being bullied by the person that she drew the picture of. 
So it could have even been just like, I hate this person because they're being mean to me. So I'm going to draw a mean picture about them. They don't really want them to see it. And then they did, you know, I, I don't really need to see the picture, but knowing what was involved in the picture would be really helpful. But the broader, you know, point of all of this is that a 10 year old girl should never be aggressively handcuffed and shoved into a squad car from her classroom. Right. It's you're, you're absolutely ridiculous. Old. You are not developed mentally enough probably to even understand like the the repercussions of no. something like that regardless of what you drew like what you drew. Right. And now you she's know? being taken away in a squad car and makes no sense. But I that's Okay, so was the school were they like they were like it in any way? I didn't read anything about the school, but I do know that the ACLU is stepping in. So I'm hoping that now that the ACLU is part of things, maybe this story will be given more information to the public and things like that because there really wasn't a whole lot out there. But the ACLU did release a statement and um They are demanding policy changes across the school district, including banning staff from calling police on students from minor infractions, which I feel like should just like be a policy anyways. Again, we had like gang members and stuff in my high school. I don't remember the police ever. I mean, we had like cops on campus sometimes, but I don't remember there ever being like intense. Well, it shouldn't be their job. Like, I think that that's something that we've discussed many times on this podcast when you're talking about defunding the police and what that means part of that is that it shouldn't be their job to be showing up to things like this yeah. like they're not equipped to handle this they're not trained to work with children in no. this way yeah. so like why why are they doing the job of like you know, a child care worker exactly. or a social worker, you know, like exactly. Why? Well, and I think a big reason is it's something that we've discussed a lot on this show is the fact that young black boys and girls are not seen the same as young white boys and girls are. They're seen as being, you know, that they can be held accountable for things or seen grown. as older, more mm-hmm. grown, more mature and all these things, which is not the case as we've discussed many times on the show so that was um, a big topic of conversation in the CNN article that I was reading about all of this was about how you know why this young girl was probably arrested rather than having some other sort of disciplinary action taken against her so I'm going to be keeping an eye on this I really would love to know more information they're also asking for $500,000 in damages for the child and her mother and I just really hope that little girl is okay it's my heart that they had to move away. Yeah. And this girl for the rest of her life is going to have that memory of yeah. what she was put through. Yeah. It's levels of trauma. It's for sure. So traumatizing. Because there's the incident and then there's also, you know, now you've been removed from your environment, like all of your friends. Yeah. Um, where you thought was may- maybe, I don't know her story, but like where you thought was maybe a safe place you're yeah. realizing isn't a safe place. You're realizing that people who you've been told are there to protect you, like teachers, yep. might not protect you. Exactly. You know, all of that stuff is a lot to process. As and a in a young mind. Yeah. Like that's yeah. incredibly overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I wanted to talk about today, the House found Steve Bannon in contempt, (laughs) in contempt of court for defying a January 6th inquiry subpoena. So members of the investigative 
uh, investigative committee on the deadly January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol subpoenaed former White House chief strategist, senior counselor to Donald Trump and raging white supremacist Steve Bannon to testify in court um, as they believe that he has crucial information about the plans to undermine Joe Biden's victory. Oh, totally. So he had conversations with Trump uh, in which he urged the former president to focus his efforts on January 6th. Mm-hmm. Like, like, hey, you know, this is where you need to be putting your energy. And yeah. then they also have him on his radio show or podcast or whatever he has uh, the day before, basically, yeah. saying, like, everybody better buckle up. Like, those weren't the words, but that's basically but something said, like, like that. Prepare for, I think he said, like, all hell to break loose tomorrow. So, yeah. Like, he Steve clearly, Bannon is in that Q documentary on HBO a lot. The they talk about him a bunch in that documentary. He's terrible. Yeah, he really is. So, instead of you know he was subpoenaed yeah to show up by the house and he was like nah i'm just not gonna go he just straight up didn't go like just straight up didn't go didn't show up to the hearing all right uh and because of that on thursday the house voted to hold him in contempt of court and recommended he face criminal charges for refusing to cooperate with the investigation like they were like no 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 not not on our watch no so this vote to uh, hold him in contempt was mostly along party lines. Yeah. It was 229 to 202 with only nine Republicans voting with Democrats. Wow. Most Republicans have been very intent. Like if you watch anything about this, like all of them are downplaying January 6th. Oh, yes. Even the ones or not all of them, but a lot of the ones who immediately after were like, this is shameful. This yeah. isn't who we are as Republicans. Now they're like, come on, it you guys. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that big a deal. Everybody just needs to calm down, right? <laughs> Let's play the footage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they're totally like whitewashing the events, um, despite the fact that it was the deadliest attack on the Capitol in two centuries. Wow. Uh, The question of what will happen to Steve Bannon will now go to the Justice Department, where the Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, declined to say whether or not he would move forward with charges. So it's kind of up to him. He said, we'll apply the facts in the law and make a decision consistent with the principles of prosecution. So that's not answering. It's it's not. And I'm just like, I think it's pretty clear. Like he was subpoenaed to testify. If any Joe Schmo didn't show up to court, that's exactly what would happen. Right. You know, so Joe Biden, for his part, has said that he supports prosecuting those who do not cooperate with the investigation. Um, Bannon could face this was not confusing, but I was just like, wow, that's a big it's a wide range oh, here. Oh, what is he, it? He could face a fine of one hundred to one hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> um, and a jail sentence ranging from one month to one year. Oh, if he refuses to comply. So it's a big difference there. Yeah, um, in time. And I don't know how money. he would decide that either. I think it's because, at least in this article I read, they were kind of lumping all like misdemeanor charges together. Right, and a misdemeanor could mean a lot of things. So it's like yeah, hundred dollars to one hundred thousand. Guess um, so. And then a judge is just going to have to decide. Yeah. I truly think that Steve Bannon thought that nothing was going to happen to him mm-hmm. because 
they've worked very hard. The Republicans have worked very hard and continue to work very hard at sweeping all of this shit under the rug, right? Like they're like, hey, again, it's not a big deal. Like, let's not talk about it. Let's make sure that the American people move on to other things because we don't want them thinking too hard about this fucking insane thing that happened. Yeah. I mean, I feel like... On our soil. I feel like crazy. Even for myself, sometimes I just forget. And I'm like, no, like that was a, a massive... yeah deal i was glued to my television all day being like what is happening right right. it wasn't it was an attempt to overthrow our democracy yeah right like that's it's a terrorist attack at our nation's capital yeah with all of our again i say roll the footage because it is terrifying people died people died i just remember the one of the officers that was getting like smashed into a door yeah there was remember the one there was one person that just got like was trying to break through a door and then just got shot while they were trying to break through like there's so many things that were just on our tvs all day that were so traumatizing and terrible they would have to work pretty hard to get people to to really forget about I it. I detest Mike Pence. Yeah. But when you have people of that person's own party basically saying hang Mike Pence, like they're, yeah. they're chanting to well, hang because they the were, vice president. They were so mad that he went. Right. He's yeah. a traitor. To yeah. Them. But like, I, and look, I hate that man. Yeah. But like, that's a scary thing. Like, yes. Your country, you have members of your country who've broken into the Capitol are mm-hmm. within you know, probably a hundred feet of the vice president chanting, hang, hang the vice Mike president. Pence, yeah. Like that's terrifying. And I don't think we should forget it. And I don't think we should let people off the hook. And I think that all of the Republicans who are too scared of their own party and mm-hmm. or Donald Trump to stand up for themselves. Like what? I just don't get how Trump still has such a hold over these people. He's not here anymore. Because he has a hold over the party. I know, but it's just like in... They need him still. Uh, yeah, but just in like n- regular knowledge, I'm looking at it and I'm like, he really means nothing right now. I wish they could see that. Like but he, he does, means though. nothing. But he does though. That's the <sighs> problem. Because like Donald Trump is the modern Republican Party, unfortunately. Like MAGA is the modern Republican Party. And like mm. they fucking know that. And like they know that they can't publicly in a lot of their districts they're still loyal to Trump. A lot of those people still think Trump is the president or should be the president is the rightful president. (sighs) So if they go against him publicly, those people won't vote for them. It's all politics. They want to be voted in again. Yeah. You know, and like at what cost your soul? Yes. Their (gasps) souls are long gone. (sighs) Long gone. (laughs) I was like literally just talking to my friend about how I can't even lie because my Catholic guilt is so strong. Like if I like if I lie, there has to be like some semblance of truth there or else I'm going to come back and be like, I'm so sorry I did it. Like the to imagine somebody that's so heartless. I can't like I can't even wrap my brain around that. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's all I've got. I do have one little update. We don't need to go into it too much um, because we have discussed this topic a lot. But because of that, I did want to bring up the fact that, um, well, when I took my notes earlier today, it was human remains were found to be thought that were thought to be Brian Laundrie's. And while I was at work, I saw that it had been confirmed through dental Mm -hmm. records that it was, in fact, Brian Laundrie. Um, investigators also found a backpack and a notebook belonging to laundry near the remains. Um, and this is something that I was a little bit confused about because I guess his parents for a while were telling the FBI to search in the exact 
location that they found him, but they said that it was like uh, flooded or something like that. It was underwater and then it recently reopened and then they were able to search it. But I'm like, there's water searches all the time. Like you couldn't still like if the parents are like, this is probably where he is. Why wouldn't you have searched there? I don't know. Before. Like, that's what's Maybe kind they of... didn't have the money, like, the resources to Maybe. get in there because of the water. I mean, water. this is such a huge case, though. I don't know. Like, I that just was kind of surprising yeah. to me. And I think it's still up to local departments and what's available to them, though. Unless, Maybe. Unless... Well, it wasn't well the, the FBI. FBI. Um, yeah, that's know. the thing. Um, but I did want to just touch on this really interesting... Uh, I just wanted to touch on this really quickly because I think there's something about murder suicides that we all have a really hard time understanding, especially when finding out that someone who has all the answers is no longer with us anymore. It's hard to think about a way to get justice for Gabby Petito when her murderer is gone, you know, and probably didn't leave details as to what happened or anything like that so I think about you know Gabby's family and what they must be going through and I was doing some reading about murder suicides because it's something that's so hard to understand and I was reading that it's only about 20% of the cases uh, of murder suicide that have to do with mental illness but they are saying that domestic cases Typically, manic depression or depression does appear to play a significant role, and those are usually impulsive and committed by fits of rage or jealousy. Um, Because to me, I kept thinking the whole time that I'm like, he's he's going to kill himself. And Max was like, no, he's running. He's hiding like he doesn't want to go. He's too selfish to do something like that. And I was like, I don't know. I think he's going to because he's going to be too much of a coward to come forward. And that was exactly what happened. But I just wish I could understand his mindset of why why he did I mean not even just why he killed Gabby but then also why did you do all these other things afterward which made your situation so much worse I think it's really difficult for people to own up to what they've done and I think that you can I think if you can compartmentalize well enough you can convince yourself that if you just keep going if you just keep living your life that everything will be fine that everything will just go back to normal yeah you'll just put it off for one more day procrastinate for one more day don't tell anybody for one more day because the longer you can go without telling anyone what happened or admitting what happened the longer your life doesn't have to change yeah and so I think that that's why he didn't say anything for so long well yeah that's why he was running and things like that but for me it doesn't make sense to us because we're like obviously you come back from a road trip that you went on with your fiance without your fiance people are going to have questions like it's not just going to go away but I think people can convince themselves that like Like one more day one more day Mm -hmm. I know it's just it's always very upsetting to me in cases like that where we can't get any semblance of justice or answers or details or anything, especially for the family who I'm sure just want to have some peace of mind and know what happened to their daughter. And look at how many lives are ruined. Like look at how many lives are ruined. Oh, his family, her family. Right. He ruined his own life. He ruined her. I mean, he ended her life. He ruined the lives of her family, her friends, his family, his friends. Like those are people who will be affected forever. Yeah. Lives will never be the same. It was just interesting because they were saying that with like spree killers, it's usually less of an emotional reason to 
commit suicide after murder. But in most domestic cases, it typically is like almost an overwhelming feeling of emotions and things like that because you're thinking about all the lives you've affected rather you than have personal a, relationships with these people. Exactly. Yeah. And then also for spree killers, a lot of it is kind of like a take down the world complex like I'm taking you down with me kind of thing yeah um, where typically in domestic cases when there's just one victim and one perpetrator there does tend to be more signs of mental illness and things like that so for me like I just needed to do some of that research today in order to understand why this story is ending the way that it is and it's just really upsetting to me it's just sad I mean like things like this are it's just tragic it's just tragedy you know like it, there's no there's no upside to this story. No, no, no. I mean, and there rarely is in true crime, honestly, like as much as we talk about it, like it, there's, I mean, I think the only good that comes out of it are things when there can be new laws made, when there can be new places of protection put in order because of mistakes that have been made in the past. I think if we're going to find the silver lining in any of these tragic cases that we hear about, mm -hmm. that's the only thing is that we can only hope to make changes to prevent some of those mm -hmm. things in the future or to at least better take care of the family that's left behind or, you yeah. know, anything like and that. And tell their stories. Like, I yeah. think that, that there is value to that. I know that there's a lot of people who don't agree with true crime or what they think it's exploitative or, or whatever. But um, depending on how it's done, I really do think that, that there is value in telling stories. Yes. Telling people's stories. You well, know? I mean, that's how I feel better equipped to go through life by knowing its dangers and things like that and knowing what's in the minds of other people and being curious about things like that. To me, it makes me feel safer. And then I also think that true crime is important because that's how we hear these victim stories and right. their and their lives shouldn't be forgotten. Yeah, agree. Uh, well, before we wrap up, I just want to give a big thank you to Cam Morris They've been listening for a long time. Long, long time. Long, long time. We FaceTimed with them, like, what, two years ago? Yes. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so OG Rager. Oh, yeah. Um, thank you so much for your card. It was so, so sweet. I got a card in the mail um, for my marriage, and I marriage. really, really appreciate it. It's the cutest card. It's really cute, and there's, like, drawings inside. Like, yeah, it was so clear which, that they took so much time exactly. into it. Like, like, oh. There's something really, really heartwarming about when someone has clearly, like, they not only were thinking about you, but they also, like, you know, took the time to really personalize it. And yeah. I've, I've always said, like, knowing that someone is thinking about you is, like, a love language. It's such like a 100% thing that just warms my heart. So thank you so, so much yeah. for that. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody. Well, thank you to the listener who sent us in that news story. We really appreciate it when you do that. So if anybody else has any news stories that you would like for us to cover, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go ahead to the business page and rate and review us there. And then you can go over to the group page and chat with the fellow listeners. Last but certainly not least, if you haven't done so already, we would really greatly appreciate it if you would leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a quick sentence about why you like listening to the show. It really helps us a lot. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to, to rage on. on. Bye. What does feminism mean to you? 
During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.